Yo, shout out to the most high. That's always a high seat when we in our lower status. LDs, also known party boy Lawrence Swan for another episode of I Need to Know with my special guest. What's your name, G? Young Phone. What's up, Young Phone? Man, I ain't making no noise. <laughs> I always want to know, how did you get that name? Uh, my mother gave it to me. Okay. Yeah, when I was a little baby, she said I was real funny, so she got phony from funny. Okay, gotcha. You know what's crazy? Because that was the first thing my son said to me. That was the first sentence he said to me. He said, Daddy, you funny. But he was a big, he barely, he could talk before he could walk, though. That's the crazy thing. But that's a beautiful thing, because to be funny is to have sense of humor and character. You know what? And that's real, though. Plus, you kind of got to be smart to be funny, too. Well, you know, a genius is separation crazy, and everybody know I'm crazy. Yeah. Hey, I always want to know, what is your, do you own apartment C? No, I'm a co-owner of Apartment C and one of the founders of it in um, probably about five years back. Uh, my family members was the owner of it, Bootsy and Rhonda, and I was able, to, uh, through the grace of God, to help purchase the uh, property for me and my Uncle P.O., and my Uncle P.O. became the sole provider of it, but I'm still one of his top lieutenants and managers in um, regulating that thing and making it work like it worked. So it's a family business? Believe it. That's dope. That's dope. And that's what I wanted to get into. Like... Is it true that back in like before crack cocaine came out that a lot of black people owned a lot of liquor stores and stuff like that in Oakland? Actually, all the liquor stores in Oakland before crack cocaine and all that, we owned them. Uh, corner of 90th, which is Sealy's Liquors, the same people who owned Apartment C and the building that I acquired next door and turned it into the tax place was all owned by Joe and Sealy. Uh, they also owned a... Uh, um, Check casting place across the street. So all that whole area was black owned. Uh, Booker's was a black man. Uh, Lee's Market on 96 and Mac, where I'm from, was black owned. Predominantly everything was black owned because they wasn't liquor stores. They was uh, uh, stores in uh, uh, markets. That's where you got your fruits, your vegetables, and your local products. You know what I mean? And then later on down the line, our people started depreciating our own businesses by hanging out and selling drugs in front of them and killing people in front of them, peeing in front of them, and just depreciating the black-owned businesses to where the older black people that came from the 70s and the 60s, it was something that they couldn't handle, and they just started selling the businesses to these people coming from India and other places, you know, that didn't care. They just wanted to get that American dollar. Okay. Now, I know you from East Oakland. Was was it even black-owned? I'm actually from Earth. That's my turf. Okay. Okay. We could do that too. But I was born in East Oakland in Highland Hospital. <laughs> my mother moved to Hayward, California when I was a young kid. Me and my brother ended up pioneering that city, and then we came back to Oakland to claim what was ours, the Mecca. Now I'm back home in Oakland doing what I'm doing for my community and the People's Channel. And why do you call Oakland the Mecca? It's the Mecca. It's the home, the only place in the world, the, li the littlest, biggest city with the most boats. Nowhere you can go in the world. I done been all around Atlanta, Texas, everything, not knocking nothing, not like it, but ain't nothing like Oakland. You know what I mean? You know, we got MC Hammer, uh, uh, Gary Payton, Damon Lillard, even Tom Hanks. You know, one of the baddest white white men we ever seen. You know what I mean? Came up out of Oakland. You know what I mean? So we just the trendsetters for so much, man. We the only place in the world where they got the side show, you know? You know what I mean? Uh, Richie Rich, 
You know what I mean? Too short. So, you know, MC Hammer, all that, man. So Oakland is the Mecca, man. This is where the home of the Black Panthers, you know, where we trend it the revolution of social justice around the world. So when you think of Oakland, everybody really do what's going on in Oakland. You know what I mean? Oakland sets the trends and the fads for the Bay Area. No disrespect to the brother cities, but Oakland has always been like that. You know what I mean? Along with Frisco, Vallejo, and East Palo Alto, and, you know, the rest of our cities, Richmond, helping uphold the Bayness, you know, but Oakland has always been on the forefront. Was there ever a time back in, like, the 80s or late 70s or something like that where Bloods and Crips almost tried to take over Oakland or the influence almost came? No, no, we ain't never had that. Uh, you might have had a few dudes slide in with a bag, you know, and trying to do their thing, was able to network, but uh, Oakland is too strong. That's the point I'm making. We got our own style, our own character, so that thing just wouldn't fit in. You know, it ain't that some didn't come in and try to plant the flag, but you can't plant the flag on soil that's royal. You know what I mean? We're going to hold it down, uphold our baitness. That's what we have done, not only here in prison and everywhere else, man. It's the Bay Area, the home of the Black Panthers, I keep saying. Yeah. <laughs> I like shit like that. You know what Me I'm saying? Me too. I live for that shit, man. <laughs> Straight up. So what I was going to say earlier is that when you said like it was a lot of everything was black on, was it like that in West Oakland and North Oakland too? Well, not not all of West Oakland, but some of them places, yeah, it was black on because at them times you had black people who like my grandmother and them, we all came from Arkansas and you touch base in West Oakland. West Oakland was where we all originally came when mm-hmm. you came from down south and your grandmother and them used to to work in the cannery and stuff like that. That's where I first started eating fruit cocktail. You know what I mean? Because my grandmother would bring it home from the cannery, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I get in trouble for picking out the cherries, you know? Well, you can't be picking all the cherries out the fruit cocktail. Well, I like cherries. You know, black people didn't get to eat cherries all the time like that back then. So I would pick them out the fruit cocktail and get in trouble. But that's what it was, you know? How was you when you first heard crack, when people started talking about crack? When I first heard crack would have been when I jumped in the game, probably like about 83. I was about eight, nine years old. Damn, eight, nine years old. When you was that young, was it a lot of people your age or was you just the youngest amongst them? Nah, nah, I was just, you know, 1976, gift from God. I was just chosen to do what I do, you know. I came in the game getting 20 off every hundred. So imagine that, a young kid at eight years old getting $20 off every hundred dollars worth of crack cocaine he sell, you know. Like, I bought kids ice creams and lunch at school. Like, kids would line up for me to pay for them to get stuff because I had a bankroll like that at nine years old, ten years old, you know. Yeah, that shit is crazy, man. That's why they call Oakland a city of dope and shit like that. Real talk. Hey, whoopers in the trunk beating down your block. <laughs> We're going to get into that in a minute. But check it out, though. When you seen that movie, um, New Jack City, did you ever feel like that movie was emulated after 6ix9ine Village? Or did you look at it like it was a bunch of places like that around America? Well, I mean, I, I heard the, the myths and the stories of it that they got the, the basic storyline of it from uh, uh, Felix Mitchell, one of the greats, you know what I mean? But I wasn't there. I can't see, you know, New York has always been a, a trend-setting city. So I can't say what they had going on in New York because I wasn't there, you know what I mean? But uh, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. And where was you at when you first heard a Too Short record? Oh, man, man, look, look. Do you remember the first record it was? Come on, man. Girl, that's your life. Smoking that glass pipe. Don't do it. 75 girls. 
I think my first song that I heard from Too Short was uh, Blowjob Betty, but it was my sister. She's older than me. And she was playing that shit. <laughs> I was thinking, she wanted me to repeat this shit. I'm like, I can't say that. I'm only five at the time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, this yes, motherfucker going to get us in trouble with this shit. Man, come on. The tape got me in trouble, man. Really? Yeah, my grandmother, rest in peace, Orlene McLeod, me and my brother, uh, Mud, you know, we had to take us to East My Mall to go get this tape, right? It's the old white tape, Born the Mac, you know? So yeah. We couldn't wait to get home. My brother, you know, he's three years older than me, so Mud, he gonna go on and do it. He gonna put the tape in and yeah. grab my car. Yeah. Oh, why he do that? We got in trouble for real. So I always tell Short, yeah, you got me in trouble, man, copping your first tape, man. You know what <laughs> I mean? <laughs> so I want to know, like, you said that you came in the game when you was young. At what year did you, like, the body start stacking up, like, the major drug wars and gang violence? You're like, damn, this shit is off the hook. I mean, that's like over the last five, I say the last six years or so, you know what I mean? I wouldn't even, I give it 10 at the most because like Oakland was never built on that. The difference between Oakland, San Francisco, the Bay Area and Los Angeles, San San Bernardino and all of those counties was that they was in the gang banging. We was in the getting money. You know what I mean? So you didn't have a whole bunch of frivolous killings and stuff. Usually when somebody was going to die in Oakland, they knew they was going to die. Your family got a warning. Your friends knew. You messed up. You did something you ain't had no business doing. There's consequences in the game. So it wasn't like people were just riding by doing drive-bys on some, oh, you got red on, you got blue on, not knocking our Crips and Blood brothers because, you know, I love everybody that's black and represent what they represent. But Oakland has always represented something different. They always thought us to be pimps and players, you know, fly guys about the money, the jury cars, girls and clothes, you know what I mean? Which was true, you know, but at the same time we kick ass and take names later too though, you know what I mean? We was just as gangster as them. We just wasn't about doing drive-bys and putting in work on our people for frivolous stuff, you know what I mean? You take my money, you mess with my family, something with principle and cause, that's when we got out, you know what I mean? So you didn't have a bunch of frivolous killings in Oakland until they start carrying this gangbang mentality. You got the new generations that gangbanging is fascinating. And most of us grow up in broken homes to where when you become part of a gang, you become part of something. If you ain't got no daddy or no mama or no sister or no brother or nobody taking care of you, well, guess what? Your gang is your family. That's right. You know what I mean? So now we got a lot of our youth gangbanging because they out here lost. Most of our OGs then got their money bubbled up, moved out of Oakland. So guess what? Who's teaching the youth? You know? But I'm still here, man. I'm planted on the soil. I live in Oakland. I get down in Oakland. I help provide jobs and services for my people in Oakland. So, you know, I'm just Oakland. Okay, and what kind of jobs, if I had some people that needed jobs, that could I uh, get you to provide? I mean, we get all kind of jobs, man, from Tesla to UPS, man, four gold bikes, uh, uh, Whole Foods, you know what I mean? Some uh, some people, we even get them in the line of working with us at building an opportunity for self-sufficiency. If you're up for the job, you know what I mean? You can be down with us. We'll bring you in, but this is a skill set that just ain't for any and everybody. You know what I mean? You got to really be for the people, by the people, you know? Yeah, is that Boss you were speaking of? Yes, sir. Okay, tell me more about Boss. Well, you know, they brought a boss to a boss, you know. So <laughs> I'm in it for a boss cause, not a lost cause. <laughs> His boss, um, that's a self-empowerment center, right? 
Boss is an organization been around for almost 40 something years. They were uh, specializing in uh, massive homelessness. And uh, later, my brother Timothy Smith and uh, Donald Frazier and a few other dudes, they got together and they went out after this social justice stuff, man. And that's how I came in play, you know. Power to the people, you know, that we built on with this new stuff that we got with the C Tech. And um, we got a few other sites that, you know, we're doing things. But yeah, that's how Boss came about as far as uh, with the job opportunities and things like that, career training and uh, employment center. You know, that's one of the big pieces that we got going on, that service in the community and brothers and sisters coming home from jail. We getting them off the streets, man. We helping them with housing and education. Some of us ain't get a GED. We trying to show them that they can get back in it, man, and, and, and go to school go to school, you know what I mean? Just giving our people a second chance, man. Yeah, because sometimes that's all people need is a second no, chance. No, all the time. That's what we need, man. And you know, if most of us would got that, a lot of our people that's down and out where they at now, man, they wouldn't be there if we had places like Boss. You know, I know a gang of my homies wouldn't been in the pen because I would have been able to help them out. My brother Martin and my, my little brother Ray Ryder and the work he doing, we would have been able to touch the people in the community and lead them just like we did with crack. People didn't sell crack and sell dope because that's what they wanted to do people did that because they wanted to make money yeah period okay in a retrospect i gotta ask you a question do you think that people look at oakland as more of a city that that pimp or sell dope both equally yeah okay okay and speaking of macking and shit like that i just gotta ask you this question you've been around like me what is your favorite two short album born a mac Okay, okay. I'm sure dogs in the house. The blue. Uh, <laughs> I'm born to Mac. I don't care what you think. I'm young and fresh and having bank. <laughs> and you know what's crazy? You know, I thought Get In Where You Fit In was phenomenal too. The first five is going crazy. It was. You know what? That was one of the best albums Too Short ever did because that was the album Too Short collaborated with Goldie and Hassani and Banks. You know what I mean? Pooh Man. I mean, you had a collaboration of dudes with that album, man. That, that thing was off the chain. That's still one of my favorite albums. Albums too, you know, but Born to Mac is the game instructions, man, to this thing, man. If you really from this Bay thing, man, the drop Baritz, man, on Gold Zenith and Vols, that's the legendary album cover, man. That's what took Two Short's career, man. Uh, 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 what Nelly say, uh, I'm born to Mac like Todd Shaw, I'm going downtown, baby, Yo Street, or baby, I pop in Two Short tape, Born to Mac. We hard hitters, we weird splitters, we uptown Cali, yo, third war niggas. So come on, man, that album trend. <laughs> said it man what dudes is doing all around the world man that album man alone man made me so fresh and so fly myself you know what I mean that album it was the game instructions you know yeah. what I mean on how to be a player how to be fly you know what I mean how to burn rubber and high side on the bra what you bye you know what I mean so yeah that's the game instructions born to Mac I love everything Too Short ever put out cause he's he's a gift he's a gift to the game he's the black Hugh Hefner to me you know what I mean and everybody got love and respect for Hugh Hefner. He one of the best that did it. You know what I mean? And got away with it. Too short to black Hugh Hefner to me. You know, he the only man I know call a woman a bitch and they like it. So <laughs> that, that say something right there within itself. I like don't nobody call nobody a bitch but too short. And you too short say bitch and they smile. I say, boy, you got it going on. <laughs> Would you consider too short one of the founding fathers of rap? 
for sure. Because when Easy E and everybody came to town, everybody checked in with Too Short. Yeah. Even even still now, there's people behind the scene, man. Like when Jay Z did Big Pimp and Spinning Cheese, man. Who who go back check the video out? Who yeah. was the who was the only special guest that you seen on the big boat and yacht with them? Yeah, Too Short. Because if you're gonna talk about Big Pimping, it ain't no Big Pimping without Too Short. Come yeah. on, man. You know what's crazy? Because Too Short did the most songs with the most other famous rappers than any other rapper. Man, Too Short got more albums and songs than anybody you know. Shit, him and LL Cool J probably up there neck and neck. Yeah, yeah. And they I think LL Cool J the only dude probably got as many songs and albums as Too Short, man, on the real. You know, this way off the subject, but on the subject, Mozzie got hell albums. I mean, he probably do. Mozzie got like 48 albums. He probably do. How many of them albums you listen to, though? That's a good point, too. See, that's part. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm put accusation with substance. I don't yeah. care you got 40-something albums, ain't nobody listen to them. I'm talking about Too Short, man, got 20, 30 albums, whatever, consistent. Him, LL Cool J, that people been listening. You know, gold and platinum plaques for them things, man. You know Young Mozzie, he on his way, he coming up. Yeah. I respect the Young Bull, you know what I mean? But it's just two different categories, you yeah, know what I yeah, mean? One of them is gangster rap, one of them is like player rap. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like comparing Michael Jackson to Usher. It's two different things. You know what I mean? They you both raw. You think difference? Well, I think comparing Mozzie and Too Short will be more like comparing Michael Jackson and, and JoJo from Jodeci. Okay, well, I mean, hey, you know, it's all good. I mean, yeah. it's just a difference. Yeah, I know you can see the difference in your opinion, my opinion, but it's yeah. still a difference for sure. And shout out to T-Mail, man. Rest in peace to T-Mail. Man, get out of my head, man. God is good, man. That's crazy you said that, man, because on my way here, man, and uh, and I ain't going to lie about nothing. I swear, man, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give a shout out to my brother T-Mail, man, today, man, and all the fallen soldiers that we lost, Money Mon, the Don, Breaking Bread Finest. But for some reason, man, Mailman just stood on my heart, man, and that's crazy that you said that. That's why God makes no mistakes, only miracles. So Thank you for that, because that was in my script today, man, to make sure that we shot LT Mel Hussein, man. You know, my brother, man, you know, he was he was a gladiator, man. A lot of people don't know it. He was my strength, you know. He was the he was the dagger in the spear with me, you know what I mean? It wasn't nothing I couldn't go to that brother about and talk to him and know that just having him on my side and with me, it would be possible. And it's hard to find men like that nowadays that's loyal to the soil like that, that is deaf before dishonor, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's going to ride or die with you, man. And ain't no talking behind your back or pecking about you and none of that. That's just genuine. So thank you, brother, for bringing that brother up. Yeah, man. For real, though, because good friends are definitely hard to come by. You know what I'm saying? You you can have friends, but having motherfuckers that you know that you could talk to about anything, they're going to keep it real with you, tell you when you're wrong, tell you when you're wrong, and tell you what you should have did different. No, I wouldn't have did that. Come on. So, some motherfuckers, on. man, you might tell them, hey, man, this is what happened to me. The first thing they say is, what did you do? Well, why don't you hear the story first? Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I you know agree. what I'm saying? So talk about some of the, how the interaction is like with the police, like when you was coming up, like when crack first hit. And when I was coming up, man, in the early 90s, man, police beat the shit out of me, man, about 12 of them and knocked this front tooth out. A lot of people don't know. 
Police knocked that out, man, when I was probably like 14 years old, man. You know what I mean? Cost me $3,500, man, them little punks. Get my two fixed, man. I wish I would have knew about lawsuits and all that stuff back then, man, because I would have for sure got my justice. But, you know, I, I've, I've witnessed some police brutality in my time, and that's what I get for trying to jump out and run. You know what I mean? That was my fault. I tried to run. Thinking I could outdo them, and they gave me a dose of their medicine. But it's all good, because what don't break you, It'll make you. Yeah. If you said 93, that was around the time the Rodney King rides and shit like that was happening, resembling something was going on now. You want to talk about that a little bit? Man, that's good. I'm good with that. What what what, what do you want to talk about it? I want to talk about, was it like a lot of riots out here during like when the Rodney King shit or was that a predominantly L.A. thing? Yeah, it was more. It was more predominantly L.A. You know what I mean. We might have had a few people kicking up a little dust here and there, but it wasn't nothing like the things we seeing now in 2020. Yeah, it's pretty damn crazy. Nah, it ain't crazy, man. It's just, it's just active, man. It's just time. You know what I mean? Like, how long do you think people just gonna sit around and? I don't care if you back a cat in the corner long enough, that cat gonna come out scratching. Definitely. You know, so what you think you're just gonna keep backing people in the corner and they ain't gonna eventually come out fighting? Yeah. Shame on you. So this is what I want to ask you: the Panthers at one point was a very, very strong presence in America. What do you think would happen where their presence isn't really that felt as hard? Well, I mean, anytime you got a black organization that's standing against white supremacy, mm-hmm. it, it, it's two things gonna happen. It's going gonna, it's gonna to build and build Or they going to destroy it before it build Because they don't want nothing like that to build up Look what the Black Panthers was doing They had people all around the world Making sure that we was feeding our children That we was getting an education And that we knew we had the right to bear arms yeah. And that was the worst thing they could ever do The white men did not like that That they put that on the front line That we had the right to bear arms You know what I mean? Because once people realized that they could carry guns And they could protect themselves Well guess what? That's what started happening The Black Panthers filled that fire So now you got Police shootings, you know what I mean? You come in our neighborhood, you messing with our kids, our family, we're going to do what we need to do. We ain't for this. Let you be coming in here and killing on us and beating on us. And they was like, nah, they had to they had to destroy that as soon as they could, man. That was a threat to their way of life. Yeah. Yeah, so do you think that obviously COINTELPRO and J. Edgar Hoover played a huge role in that shit? You know what I'm saying? Um, they said that in the end days, Huey P., Rest his soul that um, he may have been on drugs or something like that. Do you think they had anything to do with that? I mean, everybody became on drugs at that time. Even dudes that were selling drugs was 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 rolling them up in the cigarettes and rolling them up with weed. So call them grimmies. Hello, or fried daddies. You know what I mean? The Newport <laughs> with the coke in it. You know what I yeah. mean? So at that point, that's what happened. And see, and that's the thing. Like when you at war, it ain't no rules to war. Yeah. So they had already seen we took the front line and our people was bearing arms. So they knew they couldn't just run in and just defeat us face to face like that anymore. So sometimes you got to beat them with chemical warfare, which crack is a chemical. They started a chemical warfare. We're going to give them these drugs and let them depreciate themselves and tear themselves up. And we ain't got to even run in there and go gun them down or fight fight against them. We'll let them depreciate themselves, kill themselves off. What do you think the biggest disconnection is between people our age, middle age, people in the youth? The times. 
times, man. The world is just it's just rich. It's empowered. Things have changed. You gotta you gotta think about it. You go from black people having a couple hundred dollars or a few thousand and that's being something that we got black billionaires now. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're just living in a different time of society. That's So it, it ain't going to be different. It, it ain't going to be the same. That's what yeah. I'm saying. It's going to be different because things are not the same. You got black-owned businesses a lot more than what we had back then. Um, you got a lot of... Um, Young brothers and sisters that step into the place with their own clothing lines and hair products and things that just wasn't feasible for a black person back then. The opportunities that we got now and where we at as a people, we have a riven way more than where we was back in the early 60s and the 70s and stuff like that, you know, even coming into the 80s and, you know. Stuff like that, things start changing, but it's way different now. I mean, look, it was social media, yeah. and you know what I mean? You got kids that six years old got a cell phone. Yeah. When I was coming up, you had to have money to have a cell phone. Anybody yeah. have a cell phone, you might have had a pager, but you ain't had no cell phone. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was really for doctors. Yeah. And D-Boys started getting them because they had a gang of money, you know? Yeah. Yeah, what was I going to say? I was going to say... um, as far as like rap music and shit like that, name some things that's going on in the rap game right now that you thought that you would never see from our era. What's his, uh, Sakashi 69? What's his name? <laughs> What's his that name? Sakashi. Is it Sakashi 69? <laughs> 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 I'm just trying to make you laugh, but stuff like that, man. Dudes running around with rainbow hair and. Just crazy, man. Crazy stuff. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm talking about, man. Crazy stuff like that, man. Yeah. That's like the craziest thing I've seen in the rap game. Everything else to me, it's all legal because you got to understand, rapping is acting to a certain degree. Uh -huh. That's why some of the best entertainers in the world had a little acting skill. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So some people can rap, but they can't dance yeah. or, or, or act because that's all a part of act. And some yeah. people, they got a big act, but they can't really rap. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, But yeah. you're like, man, but it's show presentation. Watch when you see him dance. Watch when he move, you yeah, know? Yeah. That's why they couldn't mess with Hammer. You ain't lying about Because Hammer would bring it to you. You know what I mean? That's the High Street Bank boys. You know, he had it in him. When he came, to, man, you can't touch this. Them New York boys, they was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We got to slow him down. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm going to turn this His mother out. <laughs> you ain't from New York, MC Hammer? I don't care. I'm going to turn this mother, mother out. <laughs> you dick. Before we get out of here, man, tell everybody where they can find you at. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and give the handle on boss uh you know boss building opportunity for self-sufficiency you can google them they'll pop up they've been around 40 for 45 almost 50 years something like that uh you can find me at foon family entertainment on instagram or facebook or you can find me on uh instagram or facebook uh, uh earl mcleod the community liaison you know Crown Executive Transportation, Mainline Graphics, Breaking Bread Motorcycle and Social Club. I mean, I'm all over the platform in different forms of fashions, you know? So check me out. Oh, and last but not least, when is the next apartment at, I mean, the party at Apartment C? Well, you know, due to the social, social distance and stuff like that, 
We're just taking it easy, you know. We black owned. We own the property. We ain't in no rush. We ain't got no managers or nobody down our back telling us what to do or how to do it. That's the first thing that Unc made sure he stepped to the plateau and we secured. We cast out records, you know what I mean? So we, we, we on cruise control right now, man. You know, we doing about 80 miles per hour just seeing what we see. You know what I mean? And when it's time to pop the doors open, best believe it's going to be a parte. You know what I mean? And I will be there. Hello. <laughs> well, this is another episode of I Need to Know I Am. ALD is also known Lawrence the one with my special guest, Phony from Breaking Bread. And as usual, come on, you know what I want. No, sir. No, sir.